Good morning. Good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm on I'm on vacation, so I'm feeling very relaxed, very you chilled seem out. Relaxed. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I you mean, in New York a couple weeks yeah. ago and you did not seem as relaxed. <laughs> well, we were next to some incredibly loud speakers, so I think that was contributing to that for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Having a having a very chill week this week. Literally did not leave my apartment yesterday, which is like how you want to do vacation sometimes, you know? Is this a staycation? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, tra as I mentioned, I was traveling uh, last week. And so I decided I'm just going to hunker down. I'm going to like tidy my apartment a little. I'm going to like take a bunch of naps uh, in my own bed and just kind of relax. And it's been it's been really lovely. So, yeah, feeling nice and chill. How's it going with you? I'm doing well. I feel pretty good. I, I had like a nice dinner with some friends last night. Mm hmm. I've been exercising a lot, which feels really good. Nice. I went and got a DEXA scan this last weekend. What is a DEXA scan? DEXA scan is where they, sh it's like a low power x-ray machine. Okay. That was originally, I guess, designed to do bone density okay. analysis. And it turns out it's actually really good at telling you like your body composition. Like it, it tells you how much like lean mass and fat mass you have at each part of your body, which is kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's like my left arm has like 0.3 pounds more muscle than my right or something. <laughs> so it was, it was funny to see all these like at least imbalances. Uh -huh. like my right leg is stronger, but my left arm is stronger muscle wise. It's kind of. Yeah. That kind of that kind of makes sense. We do a lot of like diagonalized things with our body, right? So like, yeah. I I I buy that. But 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 so I've been trying to. I, I'm I'm interested in adding some muscle. I started like lifting more consistently now. So I, I went to get kind of like a baseline. It's like, okay, where am I at? What's a reasonable goal for twelve weeks from now? And it's so funny. I used to work out a lot, and then the pandemic just completely destroyed that. So I was doing, I was going to the gym like five times a week. I was working with a trainer three times a week. I used to, I used to be able to deadlift uh, 250 pounds and now I can't do any of that uh, because I basically have not functionally exercised in two and a half years. Um, yeah. I love, deadlifting is so gratifying. That might be my favorite exercise. It, re it really is. The, the way my trainer used to describe it to me is like, don't imagine you're th picking the thing up Imagine you're pushing the earth away from the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Just all the force goes into the legs doing the push. And yeah, yeah, it's it's just very gratifying to lift a heavy thing a handful of times, you know? For sure, yeah. And it like uses your whole body and you're like so strong in that position. Just you just feel, I feel like I feel very powerful doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I will like sometimes do the deadlift motion when I'm picking up like a small piece of trash off the floor. <laughs> I'm just like, why not? Why not? It's such a fun, it's such a fun little movement to do and it's good for you and like make sure you're not hurting your back muscles. Um, yeah. Into it. Yeah. So <laughs> the company or the engineering team, the native engineering team at Tuple uh -huh. is all together in Maine this week at Spencer's compound. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they're doing a, a mobathon. Okay. So they're doing the sort of technical exploration around how do we do tuple calls with more than three people. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And and presumably this is because mobbing is a thing that people want to be able to do with tuple. And because you can only do two people, right? Uh, today, three currently. Three, three currently. Yeah, gotcha. That's a, that's a and the idea is to make it much more enery instead of like trinary as it is right now i guess exactly um, yeah gotcha gotcha and and how's that going is there a functional prototype is it it seems to be going well the updates i'm getting are very positive we're mm. hoping there's a prototype soonish nice. maybe nice so i i feel like to to put my derek emulation hat on for a second i feel like at this point derek would ask you like what's the trade-off there are you are you accumulating a ton of technical debt is it hard to do this because of stuff you've built in the past like or or, or are you now sufficiently removed from the actual engineering work that you don't know <laughs> i think i know a little bit i can't give as nuanced a take on this as someone that was closer to it but my so we are taking on it looks like there's probably not a great hosted solution mm -hmm. for the servers that we need to run to okay. combine the streams <clears throat> to go to, mm, to, go to this sort of like yeah, that makes sense yeah yeah client server architecture um 
so it looks like we probably have to host our own servers, which is a whole bunch of its own complexity. And like we want those servers distributed and fast and reliable and right, right. Oh, oh gosh, you're 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 entering like so. It's so funny, right? This is the thing I used to do before I stopped being a like real engineer, and like this is this is bait for me. Like I could jump on this and turn this into the SRE episode of like Art of Product uh, if if we wanted to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, that's a ton of complexity. Like like the moment you have to run your own servers uh, in a like geographically distributed because presumably latency is important as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's welcome to a whole world of painful technical complexity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have sort of intentionally been hiring towards this complexity for a little bit. So one of the people we hired recently has experience on this thing, and that was like a very big plus for, for nice. him. We also already had some some experience with this on the team. So we're not as afraid of this as we might be, but I also have a pretty, I think I have a, re- a reasonably sober view of this where it's like this this probably is a pretty massive thing. It's, I would say it's, it's almost at the point where it's like, we are exploring this thing to find out how terrible it is. Right. And one of the possible outcomes is like, this is too terrible. We do not want to do this. As a product owner, it would be hard for me to not ship this given how much people want it and how much I think it could impact the success of the company and the product. As, a, as someone that empathizes with engineering and understand and like also appreciates the simplicity of our business and the small size of our team, there are real trade-offs here. Oh yeah, for sure, right? And you have a sort of like, I mean, if I, if I were framing this at Stripe, right, I would frame this as a like a users first versus like be meticulous about the foundations trade-off, right? And and like, uh, unf- like you gotta you got like making that thing work really well is is gonna be like a ton of work, right? It's gonna be very muchly like a crawl walk run style practice where like. Even if you have individuals who are experienced in doing this thing previously, like you're effectively building out a whole new practice at Tuple, right? Like, like you probably don't have like here's the Tuple way we administrate and run video encoding servers, mm-hmm. right? And that like the the individual task is not while the individual task is not that complex, there is just a ton of complexity that runs with like doing that well with high availability and reliability and all of that stuff, right? And so like that's the one side. And then the other side is like your users really, really want this, right? Mm-hmm. And it would not shock me at all if, you know, in the future there was a like large enterprise deal that uh hung like hung on the ability to get this done. Right. Like I guess I guess my sort of question back to you if I would if I was advising you would be like What's the current level of heat and clamor for this like? Uh, are your users desperate for this? Is it nice to have for a few groups? Are there enterprise customers that are telling you they really want this? Like, have you gone out to your user base and asked them? It has been the most requested feature for years. Okay. Well, that that <laughs> I mean that that makes the that makes the users first half of this really obvious. Then I yeah. think if you trust people to ask for the things they really want. This this thing, which I mostly do, this thing has a little bit of, I think there's a little bit of danger here because it's kind of the most obvious limitation. Sure. So if you're like, hey, what thing should we change? Like, oh, lift this limitation is a pretty easy answer to think of yeah. very quickly on like a survey or when asked. But also we just get pretty, uh, basically like a steady stream of, I hate having to switch back to Meet or Zoom or whatever when I need more than three people. I, um, I could 100% believe that. I also like, it's it's very funny. In, in my experience, that degree of mobbing was pretty rare, but also like exactly the time where I stopped being the kind of person who writes code every day is when the pandemic kicked in, right? And so like, like I can imagine in this new world we find ourselves in that, you know, the desire for five or six people to get together into a room and either review code in unison or like write code in unison is much higher now right Mm -hmm. and so like like i yeah that is good luck (laughs) thanks um yeah so so we're not interested in being the like now you should run your all hands or your stand-ups or whatever on tuple so like i think like we're, we're looking at lower limits than a traditional video conferencing thing so maybe that helps with the complexity somewhat but yes, I would say from a if if you're considering users first, this feels like it feels like we sort of have to do it. Like it it actually feels like competitively and like for the long term health of the business, 
we sort of, I, I think we kind of quote unquote have to do this. Yeah. And like, I think the way I would think about it is it's not the stand-ups or the all hands is where people are going to want to use this. Right. But it's like where the whole team wants to get together and like talk through a subsystem of code mm -hmm. or something. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen, I've seen, in fact, recently I joined a team at Stripe who was talking through some of our uh, synthetic testing infrastructure. And it was one person screen sharing code to like, it was like 10 or 11 other people right and it was in in zoom and you could you could see like the pain as they were like switching back and forth between which window they were sharing right so like like and you know stripe stripe is a tuple customer so like i could totally imagine us having used that capability if it was there right mm -hmm. yeah fingers crossed <laughs> that will happen so yeah like i was talking to our designer hugo this morning and I was saying like one of the things that one of my work, like one of the things I have my eye on is our like our like retention, our user retention and our, our user retention is acceptable, acceptable to, to decent, but not amazing. And I think my if I were to take like a few swings at improving that retention dramatically, I think mobbing is would probably be like it's it might not be the first thing because it is so complex itself. Like there might be other things that possibly get some stuff done for less work. Sure. But just based on this, like, consistent, almost every day stream of people saying, like, hey, could you please do this? It feels like that's it's just it could be a thing that I, that really changes the trajectory of the business. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think you got to at least get far enough that you can, like, feature flag in a handful of customers and yes. see what happens. Right. Right. Like, exactly. Because, like, if you don't run if you don't run the experiment for realsies you'll ne you'll never know right and like i can imagine this hounding you like forever until it's done right because like you you got to you got to know right and so i think it's ob it's obviously worth the complexity of doing a like semi but not fully production grade uh video encoding sort of like server setup although like it, 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 it's funny, just in my brain, I'm, I've been, like, churning through all of the things I would do to, to build, like, a reliable system like that, and it's, like, a non-trivial amount of work, right? you got to get your monitoring in place, you got to get your pager duty rotations in place, you got to, like, make sure the servers are provisioned enough, they've got to be fast with, like, lots of CPU, like... It's very funny. So, so when I went to Google, there was a, a internal dashboard that was literally showing the sum of all profiles of all applications across all of Google, um, and by far the highest CPU usage stack frame uh, was deep in FFmpeg. And the reason for this is like that stack frame is where YouTube is just doing all the video encoding, right? And like I think the next highest stack frame by CPU usage was like a third of that or something it's just like video encoding is not cheap for cpu cycles at all right and so it's 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 a it's a sort of interesting problem in that you don't just have the usual dynamics of like running a rails app right but you also have the fact that your workload is incredibly high cpu and that forces you onto specialized hardware which i think is kind of interesting totally yeah like we were looking we've done some estimates like part of this exploration is like what is this likely to cost us like how many calls can we get on a single box and what is, how big does it need to be and all that. And even off the bat, like the, the numbers are looking not trivial. So from, from CPU and bandwidth, and we haven't really started calculating bandwidth yet, which is also another big number. I'm not as worried about that because we, you can always design a pricing plan so that, you know, expensive stuff is expensive to your customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm not... I don't think that's going to be like a deal breaker. We'll, 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 I don't think we'll just go, well, it's just too expensive and there's no way to recoup that cost. So, oh, well. Mm. Have you have you started asking users about their sentiment on uh, paying more for um, like momming? I have not. That might be a good, like pick a sample of people who have emailed in who are your customers and ask for mobbing and be like, hi, we're thinking about maybe charging more for this because it's expensive to run on the back end. Yeah. Like, would you be willing to have a call and go discuss pricing with them? Right. Yeah, that's a good idea. Taking a note. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also a rather expensive tool, I guess I would say in general, there's there's margin there that we could right. trade off, you know? Yeah. If it turns out everyone's like, what? You're crazy. It's like okay, well, we could just accept a lower mar like profit margin and and roll this out to people, perhaps. But I do think there's I think there's probably a bigger pricing rework in our future. Like I'm 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 sort of interested in being 
more expensive at the to offer the more expensive things at the high end but then also less expensive at the low end of like giving people some sort of freemium thing or some sort of low use pricing or something we get a fair amount of complaints from people saying like it's a great tool but i only use it once or twice a month i would love some sort of cheap plan where i can you know pay you a little bit and use it occasionally yeah the the like i am an open source developer who occasionally pairs kind of thing yep well that's that's already free we get that to open source for, for oh nothing. really yep how do I get my free open source developer Tuple account? It's funny you should ask. Hugo is working on a page for that right now. Great. Fantastic. I would love to have a free open source developer Tuple account. We can make that happen. Yeah, I would I would hope so. <laughs> it's it's actually it's actually funny. I um I, I was recently roasting uh, GitHub on Twitter for charging people for Copilot, and they were like, but it's free for open source developers. And I was like, what does that even mean? That's ridiculous. Um so yeah, good, glad to know you are giving back and being a good uh, citizen of the community. We try. Like, we I mean, we're using we're using a lot of open source, and so it feels great to get yeah. some good stuff back. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, and like, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of marketing too. To be to be honest, obviously, but but it's that just means it's a win win. Isn't everything marketing with you, darling? <laughs> 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 I like that a lot. <laughs> Even though, especially the darling that was great this Derek never called me darling yeah this is one of the things about being British and gay is like that just slips out occasionally that was you know? great oh yeah man. that was awesome what else is going on in Tuple land well we're <laughs> there's a secret new stripe feature I'm not allowed to talk about that we're <laughs> trying to turn on Re redacted yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, yeah we're implementing redacted which is going to be very cool because of redacted <laughs> yeah well, I mean, look, you complained at me repeatedly about the absence of this feature, so I put you in contact with the product manager uh, so that, because, you know, we're working on a, a solution yeah. there, and then you delegated to your engineering team, uh, and right. so very, yeah. I mean, good job Thanks. for delegating, obviously, uh, that's what the CEO should be doing, and yeah, a super pleased, like, and I, I would say this to anyone who's listening, right, this is not a Ben exclusive deal if you have a pain point with Stripe. This is not me exclusive? No, this is, this is open, this is users first, uh, right, this is open to all our users. If you are having a pain point with Stripe, uh, there's a decent chance we might have a private beta that can help you out, uh, so just pop an email to penelope at stripe.com and I will do my best to hook you up with the relevant product manager. That's very cool of you, but also I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I Yeah, gotta, gotta, you know, gotta hear the user feedback. I thought I had a special in. <laughs> I mean, you do, you do in the sense that you can call me onto your podcast whenever you want and yell at me like face to face, mm. which I feel, which I feel like is, is a special level of uh, user feedback. That's true. I also have your phone number so I can text you stuff. That is also true. I don't give out my phone number to random people on the internet. <laughs> I swear. Okay, so the product, I don't know. The project manager, or the PM that we were talking about, tweeted a bit of a clue of what this thing is. Okay, cool. Why don't, why don't you read the tweet? Because that way I'm not revealing Stripe secrets. There you go. That's, that's a good idea. All right. Here's what has been said publicly by Shardara. We've been working on enhancing Stripe Billing's free trial flow for SaaS startups. If you have a free trial acquisition model and are interested in early access, let me know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Okay, great. So we can, we can absolutely talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, as a general policy, we don't scoop uh, product features, but if one of our PMs is talking about it publicly, then I can talk about it great. Uh, publicly. So you're seeing a little bit of like careful corporate uh, communication yep. training in action there. Yeah, so so obviously, like uh, free credit card free trials have been a, a very a big pain point with Stripe users for a while. It's currently the case, I think, that when you have a subscription with a free trial, it goes from active to cancelled if the user doesn't provide a credit card, mm -hmm. which your users aren't consciously cancelling. Kind of is screwing up your retention metrics, or I guess churn metrics, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're working on something that makes it considerably better to deal with that. And yeah, so if, if anyone great. if anyone out there is running a SaaS app with credit card free trials, ping me and maybe we can get you into this private beta uh, as well as Ben. Nice. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm stoked about this. It felt like it feels like writing or wrong. It was like, yeah. how does this like it, I remember talking to you and just be like, this just doesn't like there's no there's yeah. no world where this makes sense. And, it, and I, I, I agree with you. I don't I don't I don't I'm not sure what the the provenance of that is, um, but like. 
I, I agree with you that, that it needs to be better and I, I'm, I'm really glad we're working on it. And like, you know, I had Derek uh, come talk with some stripes uh, a while back and he mentioned this as like his top pain point as well. Uh, and so like, I have been hearing this feedback from SaaS businesses of like, sort of your and Derek's scale for a long, a long, long, long time, right? And that is, that is one of Stripe's core user segments. Uh, and so I'm really glad we're working on this because like, it makes sense that we would have great credit card free trial flows. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Totally. Uses first. Uses first, yes. Thank you for solving my problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything else in Tupeland you want to talk about? Small things. I've been encouraging, been running one-on-ones for people okay. that report to me. Mm-hmm. And I realized the thing that I haven't really been doing that I would want to be doing more and I've started doing more, which is like encouraging people to set goals before the next one-on-one. Like I've, I've sort of been thinking of one-on-ones as like, let me just check in with you and like ask you, I have some good questions here and we'll talk about work in general and how you're doing and your career growth and things like that. But today I was like talking to Hugo and I was like, well, let's, let's, what would you like to get done before the next time I talk to you? And it, it led it to like a really productive thing and a very clear to-do item. And it felt, uh, it felt like a nice improvement on what I had been doing before. That's, that's cool. And when you say goals, are these like getting a specific thing done? Are they career development-ish? Like, can you yeah, say a little bit more to what you mean? Yeah, like, um, so Hugo is our designer and he has been mostly focused on like UI, UX of the product but hasn't done much talking to customers. I have sort of been like the voice of the customer in the like product discussions. And I said, I told him, I said, you know, long-term, I would love for you to be doing even more, even more of this, like taking, taking a bit more of this off my plate and just enhancing your skills as a person that turns customer desires into product stuff. This seems like a thing that's worth doing. And he was like, yeah, I agree. That sounds good. And I was like, okay, great. What would you like to have done by next week around this goal? <laughs> we agree this is a good goal. We think this is awesome. Like, what's a concrete sure. step? And I think his initial reaction before I asked that was just kind of like, that's cool. Yeah, I should think about uh, doing that sometime. And it was kind of like one of these fuzzy, like, yeah, we sort of think this is good, but who knows? And then I was like, well, what's, how do we move this forward like this week? And what is, what specifically would you mm-hmm. like to commit to getting done? Yeah. I, okay. So I, I, I guess I have two questions but the the first one i want to ask you is is how frequently do not you people at tuple talk to your customers is it weekly is it monthly do you ask people to do this on a regular cadence our success we have someone who does customer success and she's talking to them constantly yeah outside of that um i would say it's probably fairly rare we do have someone that does like sort of support engineering Sure. And so he will sometimes end up on calls to customers. But yeah, it's probably more like monthly or less. Okay. But you like like you don't have your line engineers talking to customers on like a regular cadence. No. Do you think they should be? I can't imagine how it wouldn't help. It sounds like a good idea. Yeah. We recently talked about this uh, a little bit internally and like we've been encouraging all of our engineers who work on user facing products to talk to customers at least once a month and like every engineer to talk to at least one customer quarterly uh so like even if you're like deep in the plumbing of like stripes like layer 7 networking it's like go go talk to a customer at least once a quarter it'll be good for you we promise right mm. i i think this is like a really interesting sort of encouragement because like Obviously, in my role, I get to talk to customers an awful lot, but I talk to customers almost never before I did that. And I think this is like kind of truly writing a wrong, you know, that like every every Stripe engineer spending some time talking with customers, I think, is a great way for them to just be engaged. And, and like, even if like you're the one still dictating what's getting built, it means that they can give you pushback more intelligently. They can actually design the individual features more intelligently. It seems to me like and especially because your engineering team is kind of like relatively small and everyone's working on like user facing product stuff, it kind of feels to me like, well, maybe that's not completely true, but I imagine the, the majority of the engineering team is. But like, it's, it, I just find it so helpful to have a pulse and an understanding of what our customers are talking about, you know? Yes. Yeah, it sounds, I think it's totally worth it and it sounds great. I think even, I've even found, I found it very energizing. Like it's very exciting. Even even calls with customers that didn't necessarily lead to a lot of like, oh, I have to build this right now, or that was like a really big insight. It's just exciting 
to talk to someone that's using the product because usually the people that agree to do it are excited about it or you know, care enough to get on the call to roast you properly. <laughs> um, but it's, it's um, just, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Are you bringing customers into your all hands that you're running? No, that's an interesting idea. So I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, yeah. but at every Friday fireside, Patrick and John bring a customer in to uh, hear from them and like both talk about their business just to give us an understanding of like what shapes of businesses are using Stripe, but also to gather feedback, right? Yeah. And that, that might be something you could institute in your all hands and other sort of regular meetings. That sounds awesome. I think that's really great. And then worst case scenario, at least someone's heard from one customer. Right, right. I mean, this is a, this is a nice way to resolve the like engineers talk to a customer quarterly requirement. It's yeah, just yeah. put it in your quarterly all hands, right? Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, I'm gonna see if we can figure that out. Yeah, it sounds like a great way to like also just make it more interesting mm-hmm. rather than just like more Ben talking or something. Right, like, right. Yeah. Do you, actually, so on your on your all handses, is it mostly you talking, or do you like have different people covering so different just, segments? Well, so so we haven't been doing them super regularly. Okay. I think we've probably done less, fewer than six, probably. Usually, it is probably uh, two thirds me talking, and then one third like let's all give each other props. And so like people will kind of step forward and be like, oh, it was awesome when Joel did this thing. But yeah, I think it'd be cool. I, I like the thing I've been thinking is that like, so we have one scheduled for next week. This mobathon is happening this week. So like it makes a lot of sense to have Spencer talk for five minutes about how did this go? How's it looking? What are the yeah. next steps? That kind of thing. Yeah. And like, but and then and we and we have more independent departments, quote unquote, I guess now happening. So like Aaron can talk about what's what's going on in marketing land. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think one thing that's interesting is like you are doing this on a cadence that is much slower than anywhere else I've ever worked, right? Uh, so like uh, even even the smallest startups I worked at uh, when I was working in London and they were like seventeen people, they did a weekly gather the whole team and just like talk through business metrics, celebrate new sales, like uh, and you know like have different people come up and speak. It sounds like you're doing approximately like once a half based on doing six and like it, it's just you know uh google did them weekly stripe did has done them weekly digital ocean does that did them weekly and like it's just very interesting to me that you're on like this totally different cadence did weekly feel like a good cadence most of the time yeah like it feels like even in smaller companies a lot can happen in a week and just giving people the opportunity to kind of like recap was extremely valuable and like i'm not i'm not saying you literally have to move to weekly right but like i think the question i would put to you is whether there is value in moving to you know quarterly or monthly i think so especially now your team has grown yeah no i i I do i i don't feel like we've hit the right cadence we interestingly when we ask people about it like how often like people don't they don't the message that comes back is not like people are missing it or they, they really want it like no one's clamoring for more all hands ish. I think we have sort of hired a lot of like independent D somewhat introverty kind of people, I guess, or just kind of like happy to work over here. And like, so yeah, there hasn't been put like a, a push from the, the team. And I haven't necessarily seen signs of like, oh, this is like a really like, I can't believe you didn't know about that. We have a big communication problem here that would be fixed by this. But I don't think that like, yeah, every six months or so is the right Sure. For that. Yeah, and especially if you're bringing customers in as like a big feature of your all hands is like that certainly gives you an argument to make them more frequently and that, you know, it, it increases the cadence at which you're uh, hearing from your customers. Right. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's a good thing. Like I think I've been doing as like the team is working on the mobbing. Um, is like what I, I dropped in like a, just like a, a, a customer request happened to come in that night which is like hey I would love to have more than three people on a call because when I can't, don't I have to switch back to meat and I hate using meat so please save me and I was like just in case you need a reminder like why we're doing all this complexity here's this thing. <laughs> and so it's useful to get like the voices of customers in this like it helps kind of you know justify the this log and so like if, if getting the team more access to that in general so it's like this is not just a Ben's pet project that he happens to want yeah 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 um yeah kind of thing seems useful makes that makes a that makes a ton of sense and like god meat is like such a bad video calling app like like it's a it's astounding to me that like 
given that Meet is deeply integrated with Google Calendar, which is the calendar that we all use, that Zoom was able to take such a huge slice of the market, which just like indicates how much better like Zoom is than Meet, that like that, you know, really took off. Mm-hmm. It really is something. Yeah. So what's what's been going on with you other than vacation? Yeah, so so as I mentioned, this week I've been totally on vacation, so not really a ton to talk about. Uh, but so last week uh, I actually traveled to San Francisco to visit uh, Stripe's office. So I had been to the previous Stripe office in San Francisco when I went to interview in February of 2020. And then, you know, not at all for two and a half years. And so we actually moved out of that office and Stripe now has an office in Oyster Point, which is south uh, San Francisco. It's sort of like halfway between the city and the airport. And it was really lovely. Uh, Like, so the Stripe office in New York is like we rebuilt uh, three floors of a WeWork office and it's like nice, but like it's kind of constrained by the shell in which it was built. The office in San Francisco was basically built for us and it is it is beautiful. There's lots of natural light. There are plants everywhere, big open spaces. Um, so it was it was just really lovely to visit. Uh, but the reason I was traveling is David, the CTO, ran a offsite with his uh, staff group. So that's that's um, me and his uh, ABP administrative business partner, and then sort of like the various heads of the tech. Uh, departments that report to him. So infrastructure, CTO, CTO. Yes. So like infrastructure, security, design, TPM, uh, et cetera. And it was just, it was a, it was uh, TPM stands for technical program management and design reports to the CTO. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so, um, the group, the group is called, uh, core technology design and programs. And so like David actually runs, all of the horizontal functions within tech. Um, and then there are two other engineering groups that don't report into him. So we have uh, financial services, business and engineering, which report into two leaders, uh, Mark and Fran. And Mark and Fran report directly to Patrick. And then we have RFM, which is revenue and financial management, which reports to Will Gabrick, who is our chief product officer. And then there's an engineering leader beneath Will who runs the engineering group over there. And so so the the engineering organization at Stripe is actually spread out uh, across three uh, what we call ST members. Uh, ST is the Stripe team, uh, and it's Patrick, John, and then sort of like senior functional leaders. So like, for example, um, our chief revenue officer, Mike Clayville, uh, is in that group. Divya, our CFO, is in that group. And then David uh, and Will. Uh, are in that group. And so, yeah, and like all of engineering actually does not report into David at Stripe, but he is responsible for engineering as a job family and is obviously heavily involved in those other engineering areas, even though he doesn't actually directly run them. And so what we actually have in David's direct line of responsibility is every horizontal function that uh, engineering needs to get its job done, right? So for example, data science, is under David, or yes, data science is under David, design is under David, technical program management is under David. And yeah, so so we all got together and we had just like, we did sort of like, it was very sort of like retreat-y, but in a way that like felt really good. Like I've been to a lot of retreats at larger companies that just kind of feel like nonsense. And this one did not. We, we started um, with the day with a session called Good Bad, uh, which is exactly as advanced as it sounds. You just enumerate everything you're feeling that is working well and everything that you feel isn't working well. In the office or somewhere offsite? Yeah, this is so this. Yes. When we say offsite these days, what we mean is we go to an office because nobody is really working from the offices anymore. And so like going to the office is offsite from where yeah, I yeah. usually work, okay. which is my home. Right. Yep. But also, like, like, I guess at Stripe, the word offsite means you are gathering everyone in your team to, like, spend a day together talking about stuff. Right. And, like, it's pretty common for offsites to be uh, so- sometimes they were virtual. Uh, I did a I did a virtual offsite with David earlier in the year, just me and him. Sometimes they are in person in an office. Sometimes they are in person truly somewhere else. Uh, our internal documentation team did an offsite in a houseboat. 
uh, earlier this year, which I think is like a truly wonderful venue uh, to do your offsite uh, in. But yeah, so we we started the day with this good good bad exercise, and it was actually it was really interesting to hear from different leaders like some of the things they thought were not going well and sometimes where those were in conflict, right? So some people are like, this area is going really well. And other people are like, actually, I had that on my bad list. And then we kind of like talked it out, right? And uh, and like genuinely, you know, something can be going well and poorly at the same time, right? Aspects of it can be on both sides. And like, I think one thing that was really interesting for me is watching like a bunch of really experienced like industry executives just kind of talking through this stuff is like i've never really been in a room like that before like whenever i've done offsites previously like it's been me and a bunch of engineers right and usually and like one or two managers and like usually i'm you know the most senior or in like the top handful of most senior people in the room and it, this was like definitely not that right and so, so for me, this was actually like very much a learning experience of just watching like how these people talk about things, how these people give each other feedback. It was like super interesting to see. We also had a fairly extended discussion about uh, what leadership capabilities we want to grow in Stripes throughout the organization. Could you go and, back a little bit? I'm just I'm oh, curious yes. about the feedback. I'm a, I'm a yeah. big feedback junkie. Uh-huh. Did you see any good practices there? for soliciting feedback or getting good, honest feedback from people, getting people to share things that are maybe difficult to say? I think one one observation I have about Stripe culture in general, and I think this is definitely true on our offsite, is that people who are effective at getting things done do not hesitate from saying the hard thing with an attitude of, let me deliver help, right? And so, so not not from this offsite, but another thing we do on a regular basis is a forum called CPR, uh, which stands for Critical Product Review. Stripe loves acronyms, by the way. Everything, everything at Stripe has an acronym. And in CPR, uh, it's we literally go through one of Stripe's like top N projects and and talk through every team's uh, milestones and you know green, yellow, red. Where are you at? And like at every meeting, we start with the the TPM who runs those meetings literally says no watermelons. And a watermelon is green on the outside, but red on the inside, right? It's like, don't, like, if you are red, be red and yell loudly that you need help, right? And like, we will find a way to deliver it to you. And so I think one thing Stripe is extremely effective about is when something is not going well, we try we try to actually encourage a culture of like hollering loudly about that so that like whichever sets of executives or decision makers need to get into a room to like resolve that thing not going well we can do it and we can have conviction in the decision we're making right and that like you know we're in an economic downturn hiring is not like as as crazy as it was last year we can't solve every problem that we have by throwing more headcount at it right with like financially that's just not really viable anymore and so like you know we have to trade off like okay we're going clear-eyed into moving delivering this thing backwards by six months so that we can make this other thing really good right that's a there's a decision we make all the time and it's painful but like the way um and I, in fact, it, it's, it's Mark, one of the executives I mentioned earlier, I think said something really wise about this to me a while back, which is that like fundamentally what I think about when I think about being an engineering leader is people are going to come to you with hard decisions. You need to understand enough about that decision to be able to like pick a, a side of that trade-off and then like stand with conviction that that's what you're going to do and like like hold that priority until such time as like new information is available to you right and like like real i think really effective engineering leaders are able to sort of like hold like just enough detail in their heads to be able to make the right decision and like know more and then with conviction say this is the decision go forth and act on it and then like let teams do the work right because like deleterious to getting stuff done is constantly reprioritizing people, Mm. right?
Hmm. It's so fun talking to you about this stuff. Really? Yeah, I really like it. I mean, you're you're very well spoken. You talk about it like you you make it clear and succinct. And I also feel like there's a lot of like really good ideas. Like there's it's possible to run businesses uh, at a very a lot of different levels of of, of goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I feel I feel like I am very lucky in that I think to a person, everyone I work with in David's staff group is like amongst the best in the world at what they do, right? Like, like truly, truly, extremely capable people mm-hmm. who like are also extremely mission oriented. And so, like a lot of a lot of what you will hear from me is just kind of like me distilling the wisdom of uh, these like very experienced folks I am surrounded by, right? Mm-hmm. And like I think a lot of these ideas apply even if you are not a eighty four hundred people like oh, yeah. payments payments processing giant. Right. Like like me, me just poking you like, have you talked to your users? Have you got your engineers talking to your users like that? That applies when you're a, you know, what are you now? Like 15 people, 10, 10. OK, 10 people bootstrap startup as much as it applies when you are, you know, uh, a payments processing behemoth. Right. Totally. And even just like hearing you talk about this meeting of like, let's review all the milestones and rate all of them and be very honest about it. It's like, yeah, hmm, can't remember yeah. doing that ever. Yeah. And like, you know, you may not you may not need this on a weekly cadence and you may not need this with the same degree of formality that we need at Stripe. But like, you know, we are taking on some very ambitious re-infrastructuring of like the core of Stripe uh, this year so that we can have like a strong launch pad to deliver like much better products and extensibility in future years. Right. And so like building out this new platform internally for like all of the Stripe APIs to sit on top of is touching materially every team that is involved with you know building product and infrastructure at stripe right and so there has to be this incredibly high degree of alignment and like all the milestones have to line up right and so if people are red we like and i think i think the biggest thing is like nobody's gonna yell at you right like we we re-emphasize this message over and over again nobody's going to yell at you we are going to come and try and help like please 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 like tell us if something is not working right and i think i think sort of like that it's because like to me it's like a very open vulnerability even from leadership right like leadership is saying we can't see every corner of this we don't know if stuff is going wrong but we truly want to get this done like let's all help each other out right and i think it's like a very good model for running like to me this is almost like blameless but for delivering large complex things right it's it's how you over you know a span of 18 months run a large engineering project you alluded to some large changes coming was that just making sure that was that was sufficiently vague for your uh yeah oh yeah okay yeah yeah yep i wouldn't want you to get in trouble i don't want to jeopardize penelope on aop because this is no it's good it's fine okay it's fine Hmm. All right. Um, so we dra- we 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 tangented pretty deep there. We we did, but you know why why not tangent the tangent? Oh no, I'm I'm into it. Uh, yeah. But uh, do you do you want to zoom back up to good things you saw in this meeting in this in this quote unquote offsite? Yeah. So I think the next one that I was I was going to start talking about was um we had this long discussion about how we want to develop leadership capabilities or, or what capabilities we want to develop in leaders at Stripe. And while some of this was focused on engineering management and specifically engineering management, not at the first line, but kind of like the folks who are building groups of teams, the folks who are building orgs, like there was a lot of focus on those folks. But one of the things I sort of provide to David's staff group that nobody else really can is that like, I am the voice of the line EMs and ICs in the room uh, because you know, I was one, but also the vast majority of my week is uh, talking to line AMs and ICs. I take, you know, on the order of like 10 hours of one-on-ones every single week, because in the sense of like talking to your customers, like my customers are Stripe's engineering organization. And so like, I, I, I try to talk to a lot of folks to understand what they're feeling. Right. And, and like, I was sort of trying to bring the conversation that way and we did end up spending a lot of time about like you know what does effective 
day-to-day management of like an individual engineering team look like, right? Which is very different to, you know, the kinds of skills you want to develop in org builders. And so like if you're an org builder, like having a, for example, phenomenal talent radar is absolutely critical. Being really able to do performance management when it needs to happen is really is really critical. For line EMs and tech leads, the skills are very different, right? Like for example, for a tech lead, a thing you probably care about a lot is their ability to network within your engineering organization, right? To because like if you are if you are a sort of you know second or third uh, line manager somewhere in the middle, you have sort of like org designated power to like go to another team and be like, hello, my organization needs you to do this thing, please. If you're a tech lead, you don't you don't have any authority whatsoever, right? And I think I think we talk about uh, a lot um, is be is being able to get stuff done without hard power, right? How do you use influence and soft power? Uh, to get things done as a really effective tech lead. And so we talked some about like how to network, how to use soft power, how to develop those skills, right? Like if we've got someone who's a, a decent senior IC, but wants to develop their career up to that next level where they really can sort of like lead a team of engineers, like, you know, how do they glue that team together? How do they go out and find other tech leads that are common dependencies and negotiate with for like, getting stuff into those teams roadmaps and all of those sort of just like core day-to-day engineering skills that you know as i've mentioned so much like i don't really do programming anymore and like this is what i used to do all day before i became david's technical advisor as i i just like went to other teams and talked to them about stuff all day right and like i didn't have any authority to make those teams do stuff at all but was very effective nevertheless at making sure that everything was kind of lined up and our managers were agreeing and that sort of thing and then like on the individual line ems it's a question of like how do you run the team how do you keep the team healthy right like you know how are you thinking about things like sprint cadences and delivery and are are you self-assessing on your team's own output and those things that you're responsible for, right? Uh, do you know as a line EM when and how to escalate to those higher levels of leadership that we were talking about that have authority to actually make those decisions that are really critical and, you know, have those leaders do that thing I was talking about where they sort of like sign in blood that a priority is going to happen, right? And so like, like for me, I think it was really, really valuable about this discussion is being able to take these like very, very senior executive managers and ask them, like, what do you actually want from your line EMs and tech leads? Because right now I see you thinking mostly about your sort of your direct reports and their direct reports, which if you're an executive is is not line EMs and ICs, right? And so I think that was a really valuable piece of the discussion, at least for me and I think everyone else in the room as well. It feels like your position on that team is unique. Oh, yeah. So not only is my position on like the CTO's team unique, I think it's also unique amongst other technical advisors at Stripe. So Will, the chief product officer, has a technical advisor. Kiwi McKinn, who you maybe met at a Ruby conference back in the day. Uh, she worked at GitHub for a while. Dimitri is uh, the technical advisor to the head of infrastructure who reports to David. So like Dimitri is the TA to one of David's reports and then sid uh, is the technical advisor to mark and they all do very different things with their principles to what i do with david and like i think one thing i've sort of observed about the technical advisor role from seeing a handful of other folks do it is like what folks do in the role is very dependent on them and very dependent on the principle right and so like certainly the way i sort of look at this is because David is so responsible for looking after the engineering job family at Stripe, regardless of where those engineers are reporting. It's my job to really understand uh, deeply what it's like to be an engineer at Stripe on an ongoing basis. And so, in fact, next week, 
David will be on vacation. And so I'm going to embed with one of the engineering teams at Stripe and actually ship product uh, with them for the whole week. And I have a, like a uh, someone I'm going to be pairing with. I'm excited. I'm going to get to write code uh, for the first time in 15 months um, at Stripe. But the, the idea is like, I haven't written code at Stripe for a, a decent chunk of time now. And that means I'm beginning to like lose a little bit of that edge on what it's actually like to be like an, uh, an engineer. And so very, very excited while David is away to embed with an engineering team and understand what it's really like, right? That's awesome. It's getting close to those customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So it's funny, right? David and Patrick both do this occasionally. We call them engineer occasions. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. And they usually write, like they embed with an engineering team and they write up what they've experienced and share it with the whole company. And so I am, I am taking my first engineer occasion. That's great. You know, it's been a while since I've written any code for Tuple. You should do an engineer occasion, Ben. Could be, could be fun. <laughs> I think, I think honestly that there might, there might be a, a time to do that, but it, it might not be now. Yeah. The company is still kind of small and probably it's easy for you to understand like what the engineers are feeling. It's, I think it's very different for folks like David or Patrick who obviously have, you know, huge, uh, multi-thousand person organizations reporting to them that they mm-hmm. have to run. It's like a very, it's a very hard thing to be able to get into that technical detail, right? You're saying Patrick and I have different jobs? Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say that you and Patrick have pretty different jobs. I see. Okay, I guess you yeah. could make that argument. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we both run software companies, so it seems yeah. pretty similar to me. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're coming up in an hour. Do you have any yeah. other last things you want to throw out? No, I don't, I don't think so. Do you, do you want to give the folks at home a preview of my next appearance on Arta Product? <laughs> you want me to commit to this publicly, huh? I mean, you can if you want to. I, I, I phrased it as a question. Like, you don't have to if you don't want to. Let's... <laughs> let, me, let me check with your, your Contra, I guess. Okay, sure, and sure, sure. See, and see if he's down. And if so, then we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay, sounds, sounds great. No promises. Cool, yeah. But I, I, it's a fun idea. We'll see. There might be something yeah. crazy coming down the pipe. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that Penelope um, invented, perhaps. Yeah. Well, for the folks at home, you know, if you're missing me, uh, please send Ben a bunch of user feedback that you want me back on the, the podcast. Yes, that's actually yeah. use, very useful. Like I like when yeah. people, you know, t- yeah. tell me who you love hearing from and yeah. I will invite them back more. Yeah. Tweet, tweet bomb Ben saying we want Penelope. Do it. Yeah. Do it. You won't. <laughs> well, as I said, it's always it's a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoy it. Yeah, this was this was wonderful. I, I always have a great time when I come on and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. All right. Notes of the show? Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.